Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tougher even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, January the 8th, 2019. It's the first Tuesday of the month for the show to be on anyway. And we're going back to someone we started last year. We did eight episodes last year of a bug out trailer series. Uh, me and Stephen Harris doing this together. And uh, we have a lot more material to cover in that series. Uh, Stephen had some health issues and some other things pop up, and we just ended up not doing it for the last four months of the year last year. And uh, now that we've come into 2019, we're, we're going to start it back up again. A lot of you guys have been asking about it. It's been coming, but, you know, it comes when it comes. Anyway, so uh, we're going to be talking about security while bugging out, specifically from the standpoint of if you're building a bug-out trailer. But I think what you'll find today is a lot of this, like a lot of the stuff that's come out of the Bug Out Trailer series anyway, is applicable whether or not you're bugging out. In fact, a lot of the stuff you're going to hear about today might actually make more sense on your own property. Some of this stuff, you know, you can only take it so far, and we'll talk about that when I get Steve on. You only take it so far when you're bugging out because by the very nature of bugging out, you're probably not on land that you own or control. And therefore, people around you, while they can be threats, in general, have as much right to be there as you do. And I want you to temper everything that we talk about today with that concept in your mind. But it should be a good show. We'll be talking about all different ways you can do that. Uh, Steve has a ton of recommendations for products for security. A lot of them are available on Amazon or other sources. I do have a, a very long uh, list of them set up with hyperlinks in today's show notes, again, for episode 2354. So anything you hear about today, uh, you can just go by the survivalpodcast.com and you can look it up and you can go check it out and see exactly what we're talking about. Now, before I bring Steve on, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is ButcherBox.com. I'm pretty excited because my newest ButcherBox should be here today. Yes, it should arrive today. I just got the notice in shipping. Uh, I, I love getting my stuff from ButcherBox. I, I love the fact that between buying meat from the neighbors, between hunting, and between the stuff we raise on our own property in ButcherBox... I don't buy a lot of meat at the grocery store or the market anymore. And when I do get meat from a market, I'm a pain in the ass. Dorothy won't even try to pick it out because she'll bring it back. I'm like, uh. she's like, what? I'm, I don't know. I can't tell you. Like, I am that guy when it comes to picking out meat. I want, like, I'm the guy that when to talk to the butcher and they're like, okay, well, I need two of those New York strips. And they're like, okay, well, these two, no, 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 not that one. The one behind that one and the one in front of that one. I mean, those two, that's. And I actually am happy with just about everything that ever shows up in my box from ButcherBox.com. It's customizable. You can add, you can get a big box, a little box. You can have monthly add-ons. You can have one-time add-ons. Make sure that you pay attention to emails that come from them for your customers. A lot of times you get an opportunity for like a monthly special. It's a really great deal. I added a ham to mine this time. Pretty excited to get my hands on that. Last month, I added a leg of lamb. I haven't cooked that yet, but I'm really excited about it. Butcher Box is premium meat. It's all grass-fed, pasture-raised, pasture etc. Uh, check it out today, butcherbox.com. And if you're an MSB member, you can get a discount that gives you free bacon for life or 10 bucks off every order for life, depending on how you want to spend your 10 bucks. And uh, if you are not an MSB member, really, you should use the, the, the banner on the website for ButcherBox. 
because I have a special offer for even non-MSB members, but you just get it one time instead of recurring. So uh, this is one of those times where you definitely want to use the banner. Next up today, HarvestEating.com. Well, after all that great meat comes to your house, what do you do with it? Um, I, I like sushi and sashimi, but I'm not really big on just slicing up the raw pork tenderloin and eating it, okay? Uh, you got to cook that stuff, and uh, chicken too, right? So the best place I know to learn about cooking and making cooking a life skill and learning how to cook seasonally and locally is HarvestEating.com with Chef Keith Snow. He's got great seasonings, great other products. He's got a couple really great uh, courses, the Paleo Beef Course, the Food Storage Feast Course, Uh, podcast, YouTube channel, you name it. Just a great guy, a longtime supporter of the show. Been supporting us and working with us for about seven years now. You can find everything Keith Snow at HarvestEating.com. And real quick, before I get Steve on, let's go ahead and uh, remind you guys real quick that the number one way we fund the operations around here at the Survival Podcast isn't sponsorships. We have a very limited number of sponsors. Frankly, I don't charge them a lot of money because most of them have been with me since I was really little. And I don't want to jack up the rates. I want to keep working with small businesses. To be able to do that, I want to be beholden to you, the listener, and not to the sponsor. And the way I do that is through a membership program called the Members Support Brigade. It's 50 bucks a year. If you do the math and say, well, how much is the content at TSP worth? It's 18 cents an episode is what it comes out to. Then use the discounts that are in the benefits section, the MSB, and get your money back every year. That's what most people that have a membership do. Uh, so check it out today. Just go to survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. And if you uh, are military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or first responder, any of those things, prior service or active duty, you do qualify for a discount. Just email me with TSPC service discount in the subject line. Give me one or two sentences on your service, and I will get a discount code back to you. Please do that before, not after you join. With that, it is my great pleasure to bring back our special guest and probably uh, probably the guy that's been on TSP uh, more than any other person other than me, Stephen Harris. Hey, Steve, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Jack, I'm so happy uh, to be back. We are doing Bug Out Show. Would you believe this? Bug Out Trailer Show number nine. Nine, and that's that's actually not even counting the the, the thing that started it all. So there's only been ten. It's right. pretty awesome, man. So, yeah, we got episode nine of the bot series today, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite su uh, subjects, security. Mm -hmm. And security, I think you said in your notes somewhere here, it, it, it's like it's like oxygen. You don't know until, you don't know you need it till you need it, and then you really need it. That's and, right. The Sec security's like air. You don't need you don't know you need it until you don't have it. Yeah, I, I, I've always considered security to be uh, the thing that gets missed. In the survival rules of threes, you know, three days without, you know, three hours or three minutes without air, three, 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 uh, three days without water, three weeks without food, that type of thing. Um, because you can walk through your entire life with no security, and if you're lucky, become a 103-year-old man and get put in a casket and mm -hmm. never have a problem. But if we were going to put security into the rules of threes... You could say it could be 300 years or when you need it, three-tenths of a second. Yep. That's how long you could be without security when you need it. So I think this is a really important kind of hole in things we kind of want to plug today. I want to say something for the audience, though, as we go into this. Steve put a lot of work into this, a lot of research, a lot of product. We have links for in the show notes for you guys today. 
You always have to, though, temper everything we say with the situation. And one of the things I really want to point out, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today is, yes, you can use this with your bug-out trailers or any bug-out scenario, but it also makes a lot of sense on your property right at home right now. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is you have to temper the fact that if you're out bugged out and you're in a public campground, a Walmart parking lot, near a shelter, a church parking lot, whatever, you have to temper this stuff to a high degree with one thing that's different. If I'm on my property and I don't want you there, Steve, well, I have every right to feel that way and every right to put you off my property and every right to see you as an intruder. If we're both sharing a Walmart parking lot, you have as much right to that space as I do and where it ends is you know, where my stuff is and where my right. people are. So I want I just want people to temper some of the stuff we're going to say today because you know you, you get into some stuff today that if you really wanted to you could really jack some folks up. So yeah. just temper that, right? Uh, in fact, you got a really good point, Jack. Um, the stuff we're going to talk about today, um, you should practice it on your property first. Get to know it, get to use it, know how it works and its little things before you take it out into your, your bug out trailer, whether you're going to be bugging out into the wilderness, bugging out to a campground, bugging out to a Walmart parking lot or a high school parking lot, a church or on the road or into a farmer's field. You should try these things at home like driveway alarms. We're talking about those. It's put those out, put it in your backyard. And put a motion floodlight on it that's 12 volts like we're going to talk about. And all of a sudden you hear ding dong. You look outside and your light comes on. And, well, well, darn, there's a deer standing in my backyard. You, sh- I mean, it's like everything is, there's a thing is like, should I, should I, uh, buy a $2,800 gun and spend $200 on training, you know, for a $3,000 budget? Or should I take $3,000 and buy a $500 gun and spend $2,500 on training? Obviously, you should buy a $500 gun and spend $2,500 on ammo and training. The security thing is the same thing. Everything we're going to talk about, you can play with in your backyard to one extent or another. And learn it, use it, know how to set it up. And you develop what we call unconscious competence, which means you're tired, you're stressed, you're hurt, you're bleeding, the kids are screaming, the, the wife's bitching at you, and, 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 and you can go off with, without thinking and you can set these up with unconscious competence without having to think about it. And that is really a huge skill. In fact, look up unconscious competence. There's four things in the field. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's a really good read. That's what you want in preparedness. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, in the military, they taught us to be able to break down our rifles and put them back together in two minutes if you're blindfolded. That's unconscious competence. They didn't do that because they wanted to give you something difficult to do and piss you off. That's right. They did that to you so that if you're in the middle of performing maintenance on your rifle like you do in the field and somebody starts shooting at you, you can get the damn thing back together and get in the fight with somebody shooting at you. And that's the type of thing we're talking about with actually using and working on this stuff. One thing I, I kind of see in your notes here that we wanted to lead off with, though, we've talked about trailers a lot because that's what this whole damn thing's about. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about using cargo trailers because, well, OPSEC, right? It's, yep. it's just some plumber's trailer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them things don't have windows. That's right. Mine so, doesn't. 
So what what are like just just leading off? We'll get deeper into that here in a bit, but you know you're in there sleeping, <laughs> well, or, or or hanging out playing Game Boy. I don't know, whatever. How do you know what's going on outside? You don't. And in fact, I I, I went to the Midwest Renewable Energy Fair for a week uh, in 2007, and I stayed in the campgrounds in my trailer near the fair, and I wanted to know what was going on outside every time I heard something. And actually, before I left, I knew this, and I took two wireless cameras, which were analog broadcast cameras, and I put uh, a pipe that goes up from my trailer to about 10 feet in the air, and I put a little uh, slow-motion DC motor up there when I put a switch inside the trailer, and I had two cameras, one pointing each way, 100 degrees out, 180 degrees out of phase, and I could hit that switch button, I could, they would go, <laughs> turn around and backwards, and it was like, oh, okay, someone's walking their dog. And I had a little 12-inch LCD screen, uh, TV inside the trailer, and I could see what the camera saw, and it was a great, great peace of mind thing to be able to have that. I'm sure someone was walking by going, what's that sound? As the little camera's going, you know, up and down periscope like a uh, submarine. And as far as messing with people, you sound like me when cars first started to come with key fobs. You know, you could actually turn your, your, your lights on and off and stuff like that. And I'd sit, I was traveling back then. So I'd sit in my hotel and look out at the parking lot and, like, hit the horn button and all when people walk by the car just to mess with them. But uh, no one would care today. But back in, like, 92 when you did that, people would jump and look at it like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, having that visibility is important. Um, and, and we're again, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff with cameras here in just a second. But I think one of the, the biggest takeaways I took from everything that you've, you've put together for today's show is – before we worry about all these gizmos and gadgets and, and thingamajigs and you know laser beams and detectors and guns and what have you, the best first approach is to be around a lot of people, which is kind of the opposite of what most people tend to think of in our world. Yeah, yeah. You hook up with other people. You hook up, you know. You're going down the road, you're stuck in traffic, and you, and you see a guy and his family in an RV next to you, and you got your bug out trailer. You like roll down your window, and you look at the lady in the passenger seat, and you do a little roll down your window, and it's like, hey, we're running away from the hurricane too. Where are you guys heading? It's like, oh, we're heading up to my brother's place, you know, 200 miles north. He's got a farm. And it's like, Hey, you know, I got like a whole bunch of uh, food and uh, I got a bunch of supplies. Uh, can uh, I join you? The world open. Remember this. The world opens up when you ask. The worst thing anyone will say is no. And they look at each other and they go, yeah, sure. You know, you got wife and kids in the car and everything else. It's like, you know, yeah, fo- follow us. And you, you you join up with other people. Now, you can do this over a CB. You can do this in person in traffic. You can just pull up to other people in, in a Walmart area. And there's, like, two people there. You pull up. It's like, hey, do you mind if I park up with you? I'd rather be close to someone else. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it doesn't hurt to have, like, a bottle of bourbon. 
<laughs> I was traveling around the country once, and there was this big out overlook over the Pacific Ocean in California, and there was a bunch of younger people having a party and just all getting together. And I had a bottle of bourbon, and I like walked up to the party, and I said, "Hey, is this a closed party, or can anyone with a free bottle of bourbon join in?" Ah, come on in. Um, the world opens up when you're asked. Just, it, it, what, if it comes to your mind, do it. If it comes to your mind, ask. Gear up with people. Maybe it's your neighbors. You know, maybe it's three of your neighbors and you're all going to leave. You know, one guy is going to bring his boat. Well, you can throw stuff in his boat. That's a good haul thing. One guy's got a construction trailer. One guy's got an RV and a camper. Just make a plan beforehand. It's like, hey, we're all going to go up to the state park or we're all going to go up to my grandpa's farm 200 miles north or we're all going to just like go in this direction. You know, proper planning prevents piss poor. What is it? Well, piss, piss poor performance. Right. Absolutely. Plan ahead. Ask. Talk. Don't feel like a stranger. I mean, if you live in Louisiana, you're not going to be weird talking to your neighbors like, hey, if another contributor comes by, what do you plan on doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I, what the, the, my big thing about large groups in this type of situation, I've, I've lived my entire life based on certain things that I believe would be 100% factual. And, and I can't say it's exactly 10%, but it's close enough for government works. And it's what I call the 10% scumbag theory. About yep. one in ten people are scumbags, and mm -hmm. it, 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 it convert, you know, contrary to what the government would like you to believe, it's not really the government that keeps those ten percent under wraps. It's the ninety percent. It's the ninety percent of people that aren't scumbags that the ten percent that are scumbags fear that keeps right. them under control. So if you got together with a group of twenty people, you probably have two scumbags in there. Yes, you probably do, especially when you don't know them. You kind of hooked up on the road or whatever. But you got 18 non-scumbags. Mm -hmm. This makes the scumbag very uncomfortable with being a scumbag. Mm -hmm. Because the 18 other people might tie them to the back of the RV and drag them down the road. You just don't know in a situation like that. And this is what's always kept scumbags in check. That's why they seek government power so they can get away with their scumbaggery. Well, if you only hook up with one person and they're a scumbag, guess what? You have a problem. Mm -hmm. But if you're hooked up with 18 decent people and two scumbags, the scumbags are either going to stay under wraps and not cause any problems there, or you're going to ferret them out and get rid of them. Yep. So I think it's really important that like, numbers are on your side. And the other thing is, most people that steal and loot in these situations, they don't want a confrontation. They want to reach in, grab. If you notice, like, we're going to talk a lot about security on the road today, but most of the problems during these hurricanes and stuff, where do they actually happen? Where the disaster right. occurs that you've left behind after everything kind of, you know, the, the, the tide recedes or whatever, and EMS and police and people are all gone, and now you can just break a window and steal a TV set because you're trying to survive, right? So sticking to large groups of people and staying out of the area where actually the, most of the problems are will solve a lot of your concerns. Yeah, and it actually, same thing goes true is if you have some bad people in your group and like you're talking about these people are bad, you know, they're shooting heroin or they're doing something and they're just not people that you want to have with you. Uh, don't be afraid to grab your M4 and, uh, I'm not saying pointed at them, but you guys walk up to them and say, uh, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but you're, 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 
you're leaving. You're gonna have to go find and, your own place in your own group. Yes, you're. Yeah, as uh, you're leaving, and you're leaving now. And uh, when I was in the sheriff reserve, there were things that we did. I we did a lot of public crowd control stuff, and uh, there was times when I would say something to someone is like, "You are going to uh, have to do either a like put your shirt on at, at the Catholic uh, uh, fair." That's going on and, you know, not be exposing yourself. You, or you're going to have to leave. And it's like, you're going to have to put your shirt on or you're going to have to leave and you're going to make that decision right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we also want to make sure in that situation we do have communication between people and yes. we, we also kind of keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, GMRS communications or bullfang radios, they're cheap. And what you want to do is you might want to have five or six of these things charged and ready to go in your trailer. That way, when you meet up with the people or you get together with the people in the Walmart parking lot. In fact, if there's like three of you in a Walmart parking lot and there's some other people dispersed, Go over and ask them, like, hey, you know, we're together for safety purposes because of whatever big event is going on that's got everyone scared and they're out of the, leaving the city. Would you guys like to come over and join us? You know, ask people over and then give them a radio on a frequency with a code that where you're not going to get disturbed. And it's like, here, here's a radio. If you see or hear anything, you let us all know instantly at night. And that also lets you, once you got number of people, you can now have a fire watch, a night watch, someone standing post. So someone just sitting there in a lawn chair. I like to sit in a lawn chair in the shadows where you can't see me, not standing outside in the light with a rifle. I like to sit back and just in a lawn chair and just sit there and use my ears and listen and observe and And, you know, you do that with someone every two hours. You rotate in and out. And that's the, one of the best watchdogs you're going to get as a human being. And they're like, hey, guys, uh, wake up. We got uh, some activity near us on the radio. And that is going to prevent a whole bunch of problems because people approaching a bunch of vehicles that are quiet and dark is one thing, but when you see lights on, a bunch yep. of people milling around, it's like, nah, I'm going to go find an easier target. There's nothing that sends scumbags away like the feeling of being surrounded. And when you have one person watching, it just simply alerts everybody. And, hey, the plan is everybody just kind of comes out, right? And then all of a sudden yep. there's a person here, there's a person there. No, 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 I need to go somewhere else. Or you find out you've got a person that's legitimately seeking help, and you know maybe you decide to help them. It all depends. But be aware. I think the big thing with Firewatch is I remember when I was in the Army, And I lamented to one of my drill sergeants during one of those moments where you can actually have a conversation with your drill sergeant. We have this fire guard thing. Has there ever been a fire? And he said, no, there's never been a fire. But what there have been is recruits that decide they don't want to be here anymore and try to leave. Mm-hmm. Just for one thing. So, yeah, that's why we have somebody up. We just call it fire guards. I just thought it's a little good analogy there. Now, another thing, we started out with this on visibility. Mm-hmm. So I know you got a lot of stuff prepared for us today on cameras. Well, actually, it's not a lot. It's a few simple things. Okay. There, there are some details involved, but okay. cameras are a huge thing. It's like I talked about 2007. I had little wireless cameras. I don't mean Wi-Fi cameras. I mean they were like wireless, and you can't find those anymore because now everything is Wi-Fi and on your phone. Um, one of the things you can do with uh, cameras is you can uh, – actually, in my bug-out trailer, I have an access point. 
that will actually take Wi-Fi from outside the trailer on my antenna, which I can say connect to this Xfinity mobile hotspot and then repeat it inside of my all-metal trailer. And I have an access point there, and there's these nice little cameras called, uh, you want a good home security camera? Wise, W-Y-Z-E. It's 25 bucks. It works great. It runs off a of USB power. I run it off a of USB battery. I run it off a of USB charger. Uh, it's great. It's 1080p. And I thought it would work without Internet access and just like through my access point. But I tried it last night <laughs> at 2 a.m. getting ready for this. And uh, because, you know, I got to test everything before I tell tell you. And it didn't work. Okay. It should have worked, but it didn't work. But there are other Internet cameras, which I'll let you go find, that will work through an access point without access to the Internet. And that's not a, a bad thing. But, hey, if you want some cameras for home, Steve Harris approves WYZE. Get the V2 camera on Amazon for 25 bucks delivered. It, you will love it. Now, I was talking with a good friend of mine about this. Um Hi, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. A lot of this is because of you. Anyways, he was like, no, you need a camera that requires nothing, no hookup, no nothing. And what is still available on the market are baby cameras. In fact, there's something called an infant. We'll put the link in the show notes. An infant, infant optics DXR8 pan and tilt camera. And it's actually a regular, looks like a regular internet pan and tilt camera. But it transmits the video directly to a little three and a half inch LCD receiver. And it's actually pan and tilt. So you, you can put the thing outside as long as it's not going to rain. And then if you do, you just put it, uh, you take like a, a box and you cut out both sides of it. You put it underneath the box so it doesn't get rained on. And you can sit there and you can hear something and you can pan and tilt the baby monitor with its night vision all the way around and you can look and see what was making the noise. Now it's 170 bucks. But it's keep it simple. It'll work for the next 20 years, 10 years, and uh, it'll let you see outside of your trailer. That's a really good thing. Now, if you want to be a little bit more techie, there are still wireless analog video transmitters on Amazon. They say they're 2.4 gigahertz, but that's just the frequency. That doesn't mean they're Wi-Fi. These are not networked. They're analog. And they work with any analog security camera, like the little sugar cube size ones or backup cameras that you can buy. They got 170-degree wide-angle field of view. Those are great security cameras because you just got one screen inside your trailer, and it's like, well, I can see 170 degrees. You can see everything. It's like, oh, there's a bear out there. Honey, pull the door close. <laughs> you know, pull the door close harder. So anyways, uh, there's uh, three-watt ones and lesser-watt ones, ones that will go a mile, ones that will go 150 meters. They vary between 47 and $77. These are great, simple little thing. You can run them off of a 12-volt lead-acid battery, uh, like an alarm battery. And they will transmit video back to you. In fact, if you got the bigger one and you're in a school parking lot and you're in the back, you can kind of put this thing like 300 feet away towards the entrance to the school parking lot and you'll know when a car comes in. A little bit more techie for you, but uh, anyways, I, we got some more links for you. The, the car backup camera, it's an NTSC camera with a standard RCA video plug on it. Uh, it's on Amazon. And, and then you can say, screw wireless, just go wired. 
60 feet of wire for a camera jack is 11 bucks. All you got to do is just like run it out, screw it, screw one into a tree, put, uh, take a needle to needle magnet and attach it to the bracket on the camera, put that on the bumper of, of your car facing forward. And just run these all back to a little LCD monitor. You get a seven inch LCD video monitor on Amazon real cheap as well. And now you can, and you can put a little video switch in there. And now you can switch between cameras and see what the heck is going on. And it just, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Look at our links, say, Oh, I can work with this or I don't know that. And this will do for, for me. But what would you do with video, Jack, and on your bug out trailer? Well, I mean, one of the big things is, is I love the wired approach. Um, yeah, me too. Wireless makes a lot of sense on my property. Right. I got three acres. And who has the ultimate right to those three acres? You. Me, my dogs, my wife, etc. That's a lot of wire. All right? Back to where we started out with this thing. If I have my bug out trailer and I'm in a, let's say I get lucky and I actually get a, 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 a uh, what do you call it? A flat. It's not the right word for it, but a, a plat, a pad at a public mm -hmm. campground. Then, mm -hmm. then what I have rights to that's mine alone is that area I've rented and yes. my trailer. I don't need wireless. Okay. This is, this is my big thing. If you can eliminate a potential point of failure, eliminate it. Yes, mm -hmm. I have Bluetooth headphones for my iPhone, but I, that, that stupid new connector they have, I have a dongle for that, and I have the headphones that have it on it already, because when I plug that shit in, it is going to work. It's not going to go, fail to connect, right? Like, right. I don't have time for that crap when I'm on the run, so to speak, from a storm or whatever, and I'm trying to set up some basic security. When you plug stuff in, it works, and my biggest thing would be visibility, 360 degrees, whether it's by you know by pan and tilt or by just having four cameras and being able to see everything that's around me at all times. And you know we're going to talk about some stuff with seeing at night too. That's huge. The big thing in all of this is visibility is knowledge, and knowledge is power. Yep. If you uh, if you put three of the sugar cube backup cameras on top of your trailer. You know, they're 170 degrees, so technically you use two, but if you put three of them, you're good. Uh, and, you know, in a pattern, and you just had a little video switch inside with a little LCD monitor, that would, you know, and three cables running down underneath the trailer and up, that would be perfect. That'd be all you need. And your keep it simple approach is beautiful. If I was parked in a Walmart parking lot, all I would do was put three or four cameras on magnets on my car and on my trailer, and I would be fine. I just want to, if I hear noise, I just want to see what it is. That's well, it. Well, let's go back to the campground. So now we're at a campground. We got it made. We got water. We got power. We're hooked up to city water and a little, uh, you know, 30-amp uh, RV connection and all, and we're great. But since we've gotten there and we want room, we've unloaded all of our stuff, including, like, coolers and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. now one of our motion detectors goes off. Well, mm -hmm. is it a two-legged rat? Or what you said earlier, it's a bear. Close the door. I'm not closing the door if the bear's heading for my food. <laughs> security is not just about you. It's also about your stuff. Yeah. So if that bear's out there, you know, maybe I have something like, like a little, like, like I keep on my boat because horns go out on boats. I keep one of those little handheld, like yep. things you use to heckle people at sporting events. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you blow that at a bear. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, that bear's hauling ass. Oh, and he's got, remember, he's got, he can hear a hundred times better than you can. Yeah, that doesn't sound good to a bear, right? No, so, that doesn't. So, you know, that, that's, it, it, what I'm getting back to, though, is 
I only have a right to control so much space around my position in this situation. Mm -hmm. So keeping simplistic, there's really no need unless there's some specific application to go specialize. I'm always my my big deal is you standardize everywhere mm -hmm. you can and you specialize only where necessary. And so, you practice, 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 practice. Absolutely. Like so if you come to my, my, my property and you check all my plumbing on my property, it's half inch or it's one inch. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Now mm -hmm. then I have some big tanks connected to each other. They need to have maximum flow so they're two inch. Right? Mm -hmm. But that's specialized. Everything else is standardized. That way I can go into Home Depot, two bags of this, two bags of that, two bags of this, two bags of that, couple valves, couple end couplers. Anything breaks, I can fix it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting there going through 75 different part varieties to be able to fix it. And that's not what we're talking about, but it's that same approach. So whatever you standardize on, yep. if you're going to expand your system, use the same stuff as long as it works, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would standardize on sugar cube, uh, analog cameras like with that. IR, IR LEDs on them and, uh, and security camera, uh, wire like you use for any security system. I would stand, I would standardize on those and little LCD my hell. The LCD monitors are so cheap. You got four cameras. You can have four seven inch monitors inside your trailer. And it's like your little command station alpha. I mean, it's like, okay, I see you. <laughs> see, and I see that, like, again, back to the creed of the show. It should help you if times get tougher, even if they don't. Yep. I I'm going to reiterate this. If you're building a bug out trailer because you think the world is going to end and you are going to go off, like, what was that movie, Stripes, right? Yeah. Right? It was the, the RV that's converted into an attack vehicle. Or don't do this. <laughs> don't, if you're not going to use this for anything except a bug out trailer, don't do it. If I build and something like this, I'm going to go hunt with this thing. Well, or, mm -hmm. I have security concerns at that point, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I have security mm -hmm. concerns. I, I, I want to know that somebody's sneaking into my camp to steal my stuff. Mm -hmm. So that approach works perfectly. I'm, I'm sleeping in my, my trailer, and mm -hmm. I don't have a fire watch or anything. I think it's a freaking out, I'm freaking out on a deer lease somewhere. And my mm -hmm. buddy, I'm poking him in the ass with a stick so he'll stop snoring. And all of a sudden, we, and we're going to get to how you might hear this, we hear ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Something's going on out there. Flip a switch, bring up the heads-up display, and you know what's out there. Because mm -hmm. it could be, again, a two-legged rat. It could be some critter going through your stuff. Or like in Texas, you know, if it's a pig and you're hunting, it doesn't matter it's 3 o'clock in the morning. If he happens to wander into camp, he's going to get his ass shot right right now. So, oh, can you can you shoot a pig at oh, night? You can shoot him with NVGs, night vision scopes, machine guns. If you have a permit, it does. You can get. A, I'm not. I wanted to do it until I found out that they make no effort to recover the pigs, and it's ridiculously expensive. You can strap into a harness and get flown around in a freaking uh, uh, civilian uh, Blackhawk. With a, with, with a, an M4 and hang out a, ha, out the door like a door gunner and shoot pigs in Texas. Oh, really? Because we just have that many of them. So, yeah, if, if I'm in my, my camp and I hear ding, ding, and I turn on the IHR and there's green eyes looking in there at me and it's a pig, hopefully I've built myself a little porthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's baking time, baby. <laughs> hey, actually, everything we're talking about can be used for bugging in as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is all back to my thing that I always talk about with security, procedures and protocols. 
A procedure mm -hmm. is how we do something. A protocol is an assembly of procedures under a given circumstance. So mm -hmm. if we're camping and you got Junior, you got you got Tammy and, and Toby kids and mom and dad, you're probably gonna have a thing, you know, if if, if Tammy or, or Toby go anywhere, they need to tell mom and dad and they need to tell each other. But if mm -hmm. Toby wants to wander down by the lake, and let's say he's 14 years old and he doesn't want to take Tammy with her, and Tammy's met a little girl from the next thing over and they want to go off and pick flowers or whatever, that's all fine. Mm -hmm. So the protocol is very lax at that point. But mm -hmm. there is a procedure, notification procedure. Well, if mm -hmm. we are bugged out, now no one goes anywhere without an adult. Everybody notifies everybody of everything. So we alter from the procedure to a specific protocol. And all of this equipment If you don't have procedures and protocols to go with it, you just have stuff. That's right. You know? So it doesn't talk. do you any good. The so procedures talk. and protocol are by far better. Yep. So let's talk about then how do we get that ding-ding when Mr. Piggy or Mr. Two-Legged Rat comes into our, you know, our area? Well, I'm going to start off with this one with you, Jack, because uh, Chamberlain is a popular driveway alarm. I know on your property in uh, was it Louisiana? Arkansas. Oh, sorry, Arkansas. Uh, in Arkansas, you use the MURS, M-U-R-S, radio system on a regular basis, and you have a lot of experience. Talk about, you know, how you use a MURS radio, which is on Amazon and eBay. The Chamberlain driveway alarm system is, you know, sworn by by many people. The signal will go a mile. How would you set up, you know, in a bug out trailer or a bug in situation? How would you set up your mirrors and chamberlains to go? To the, and they will give you, uh, they will go region one alert, region yeah. two alert. You know, they'll actually talk to you, so you know which one went off. How would you do this? So one of the real things with mirrors is I, I don't actually see it as a really great. You could use it if you have it, like you know, it makes sense. I don't see it as a really great thing to deploy in a mobile situation. And the reason is the mirror's sensors require that they have something to reflect that signal back off, and then that interruption in signals what triggers it. Okay. And it's, it's a little fiddly to set that detector up. Now, it's nothing you can't do in 10 minutes and test mm -hmm. and be happy with. But if you have to set up four of them, 10 minutes apiece... Yeah. In a mobile situation, it ain't quite so good. And then the other thing is, if you spend the money on this equipment, I recommend you deploy it on your property. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a permanent install. It's it's maybe semi-permanent. Like, it's designed to stay there. So now, mm -hmm. when you got a bug out, you're going to go out onto your, your three acres and, and harvest your... You see what I'm saying? I just... Mm -hmm. I don't think... Now, the, 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 the most valuable thing that Muir's gave us in a bug-in situation in Arkansas, and I had a lot more concerns about if something went sideways up there being so remote, was that I could throw on a headset with a, with a handheld radio. Dorothy had the base station back in uh, the trailer, and mm -hmm. then we had game cameras that were wireless. They were not internet. They were just wireless that were all within range of the trailer that had IR. Mm -hmm. And she could have been telling me everything she saw over the same means of communication that was also saying alert sector four. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was incredibly valuable. I just don't know how deployable that is. Um, I'm not again, familiar, I'm not familiar again, with the Chamberlain stuff. I just want to really caution people with the mirrors in a mile range. Yeah, sort of, maybe, might even be two miles. Also might be 
uh, 200 feet. It all depends on terrain and line of sight. Read about it, make a decision for yourself, and pl then play with it, and then know it. In know it with unconscious competence, and then use it for your purposes. But you might look at it and decide, nope, this is not for me. Now, um, the basic but, driveway alarms, though, they're pretty simple and quick to set up. So there's yes. a lot of different options there. I can't comment on the Chamberlain because I'm not familiar with it. I think the Chamberlain doesn't have a reflector. Okay. And what this would be good is if you were down a half-mile road out on a farmer's field and it was a wooded uh, road and it was one way in, one way out, uh, it would give you a good ding-dong that someone just came down the road especially if you had a locked gate on the other end. Gotcha. Hey, that's, that's another thing for you to carry. Not only should you carry bolt cutters and die grinders, which are really uh, cutoff wheels, to cut through locks to get into places, but you want to carry extra cheap locks and chains so you can lock the thing behind you after you get in. Yeah, yeah. Let me real quick back up on it just so I'll make sure I'm clear, because if you misunderstood me, then maybe other people did. The mirror's radio... Sensors do not have a reflector. They require a solid surface. Let's say like an archery rangefinder or a laser yeah. rangefinder. Yes. To bounce off. The issue with this, with them that makes them fiddly, if it's if you have that thing canted up maybe two degrees and you think you have it level, as it goes further and further out, that beam's going higher and higher off the ground. If you were to set one up like across a road or something. And there's some, anything hard, it's going to work for you like, like any of the other detectors. So mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm kind of clear on that. I would say I adding to the motion detection though, you know, there's some really great lights I recommend for security around your property or just, uh, when you, when you, you know, walk out to the chicken coop at night, mm -hmm. there's a light that comes on, they're solar powered. Um, mm -hmm. I'll add them to our links. Um, but, you know, they run on a, uh, 18650 battery. They run a mm -hmm. little bitty solar panel. I know you're not the most huge fan of solar for some things, but I've, <laughs> I've run these things for lights, just mood lighting on some of my aquatic tanks. And I mean, it's a shady area. It's got water chestnut six foot high over top of it. I don't even know how it gets enough light, but those lights run on continuous till about five o'clock in the morning during the summer. Yeah. They also yeah. have a setting where they're motion detectors. These things are cheap. You can bolt a few of them to the outside of your trailer, turn them off, mm -hmm. and when you go to sleep at night, just turn them all on a motion sensor detecting. Yeah. And if somebody walks by, lights start coming on, and that's going to, you know, that trips an alarm for you, it trips an alarm for your friends, and it also says, hey, dummy, I see you. Yeah, they're the ones advertised on TV at night, and I, I saw them on Amazon. I didn't put them in the list, but I think, you know, after talking with you, you're right. They should be in your list because they're so simple. And let me f put something to bed. Stephen Harris loves solar, okay? <laughs> I love solar. It's just that I love solar when you do it right, gotcha. okay? Gotcha. <laughs> just real quick, the brand I'm recommending on these lights, because these are the ones I've used, I've used the small ones, the big ones, the medium ones. I have them all over my property. They're made by a company called Litom, L-I-T-O-M. Um, mm -hmm. They are a Chicom company, right? But they're one of those companies that, like, if you get one and it's screwed up when you get it, mm -hmm. they write you this chinglish letter apologizing over top of themselves to send you a new one. That, okay. That's that's why I recommend them. Go Just, in the show notes and get it. Um yeah. 
Uh, moving forward, there is a, something called a Camp Guard Security Lantern. It's at Cabela's, and it's on Amazon. This is a, a lantern that uses four D-cell batteries. You can put it out on the picnic table. It's got motion uh, sensors all the way around it. And if a bear walks in or someone walks in, uh, the thing uh, literally lights up, goes ding, and it talks to you. It says, motion detected. <laughs> and uh, if you're in a tent or a trailer, that's good enough for you to like look at your camera or something and and see what the heck is out there but it's it it runs forever on four d cell batteries and uh it, it's simple it, no wiring no nothing just set it on the on the picnic table or near the door of your camper or on the hood of your truck and if someone walks by or they're walking their dog to the campgrounds they'll just come on and go motion detected and you know, it, I, I'm looking it. at I'm looking at this thing right now. This is one of those things that you brought to my attention. I actually didn't know existed. And this thing is cool. And the way it's shaped, you know what it makes me think of? The uh, robot from Lost in Space. <laughs> you know, like danger. Will, I'm gonna, danger, only, danger. Yeah, it's what it, it looks like, the robot without arms. Um, I'm going to get one of these. these. This is only like 40 bucks, free shipping on, on Prime. Uh, and it, this is going to become an item that I'll review uh, as one of my item reviews because this thing's cool. And <laughs> one of the biggest things, and people don't get it, like, to cause the person who's sniffing around. Now, the person yeah. that's malicious is going to kick your door in and shoot you. It doesn't matter. The average scumbag, they're cowards. And when anything kind of throws them off, they're like, just, I don't need to be here. I'm going to go. So, especially the guy that's like a meth freak or something. It's looking, mm-hmm. you know, he's looking for something. He can run down to the pawn shop and, and, and get his next two, his next two doses of meth for. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking at what we, we used to call it, um, Anything that was DeWalt or anything that was construction-oriented that had that, uh, that yellow gold color, pawn yeah. shop gold. Pawn yeah. shop gold. If they see that gold, like if you have tools, put them in a, like a, a, sh- a shitty-looking bag or something, you know. Don't put them in the cases they come in because when people see that, they know. As long as i got the charger, the battery, and the drill, Joe at the pawn shop will give me some money for it. And, yep. and that's the kind of mindset, the type of people you're going to deal with the most have. They want to grab something and haul ass. And a little bitty Will Robinson robot going motion detected and lights coming on, uh, that'll, <laughs> that'll probably at least let you know they're there, if not send them somewhere else. There's something else in that area. Um, it, you'll see a lot of connectors for cameras and, and voltages and stuff on Amazon and eBay. And the most popular connector is called a 5.5 by 2.1. That's a 5.5 millimeter outside barrel with a 2.1 millimeter inside pin. Almost everything is a 5.5 by 2.1. There's some 5.5 by 2.5, but even then there's adapters on Amazon that adapt between it. And these are popular with like LED strip lighting and LED lights and uh, the power supply for your camera, for your DVR. These are all 5.5 by 2.1. There's also a lot of accessories out there. There's dimmers, there's switches, uh, there's USB adapters, all for 5.5 by 2.1. But on Amazon, there is a fair amount, check the show notes, of PIR, which stands for Passive Infrared, uh, motion sensors that are 5.5 by 2.1. And you can run between 5 and 24 volts through this thing. And what you can do is you can just literally uh, magnetically attach it or uh, double sticky Velcro attach it to your trailer to the outside. 
and you can run a 12 volts to it and then you run it back inside and it goes, uh, you, you can have a, an LED light outside that it can turn on, but you can also have a little buzzer on the inside of the trailer that goes ding dong or bzzz whenever uh, that PIR is tripped and it's nothing to wire it. There's no soldering. In fact, there's uh, barrel connectors, 5.5 by 2.1 that go to two little screw down terminals. So you can buy the uh, buzzer with two wires off of Amazon. Again, links in the show notes. And then you just screw it onto the barrel connector, run 12 volts through it. And when someone walks by your trailer, it's going to go ding dong or buzz. I mean, you can get four buzzers with four different sounds and you'll have four different buzzers inside the trailer. And, and it'll let you know, did the one to the left, the right, the front or the back go off? And if they all go off, then it's like, okay, honey, circle the wagons. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it, it's really keep it simple. If you look at, I mean, if you don't know anything about electronics and anything, you look at these 5.5 by 2.1 stuff, you're going to look at that, then go watch some YouTube videos. You're going to go, I can do that. I'm, I'm telling you, you can do it. There's, there's no doubt that none of this stuff is that hard. And, and, and again, it's about disruption. And it's also like I was reading the reviews on this, uh, this Will Robinson Lantern And there's a couple of reviews, uh, people on Amazon, they're really happy with it. You know, they just took it camping and it, you know, it chased away raccoons that were going to dig through their stuff. You know, <laughs> I mean, so it, it, you got to remember that security is about a lot of different things. One thing that people forget, and it really doesn't apply to this so much, but security is about safety. You know, uh -huh. like, like it, it doesn't matter if nobody pushed you. If you fall off a cliff, you're dead. Mm -hmm. And you're just as dead as if somebody shot you. You might be deader if that's possible if you fall <laughs> off a big enough cliff like Wiley Coyote does. So thinking about security beyond people is something that's always important, either animals that are dangerous or animals that do damage, animals that cause problems, um, things like that can definitely be an issue depending on where you're camping. Uh, but I agree, all of these little sensors and, and what have you are Pretty easy to figure out, and I think that what people really need to do is give themselves permission to, to fiddle with stuff. Yeah, they're cheap. They're, I mean, they're, we're talking single-digit dollars, maybe 12 bucks at most for some of this stuff. Get it. Play with it. You'll learn something. Let your kids use it for their sixth-grade science project. Just you know, if it doesn't work, throw it in the trash. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I mean it's awfully cheap education. Well, it's awfully cheap. And as I look at some of the stuff that we have for people today, I just kind of think, you know, I really bet that there's a lot of little different automation things people could do on their homesteads with this stuff that doesn't even really have anything to do with security. So it's yep. just good stuff to learn and figure out. Um, next up is we're moving down through your notes. You wanted me to talk about dogs. Yep, so, dogs. All, all you, Jack, dogs. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of want to make an analogy with dogs to humans as far as what value they bring to you in a situation like this. Because most of the time your dog is going to be very low level of an asset and, and quite a great deal of maybe liability or additional work. A dog like a person is, is only as good as his training or her uh -huh. training. And so if I have... Four prior service army soldiers with me, I, and I don't know their MOSs or anything. I do know they at least know what it means to set up defensive positions with interlocking fields of fire. So mm -hmm. if we end up in some kind of shit where people are going try to kind of try to shoot us, I know I can tell them that, and they'll go do that. I don't mm -hmm. have time to teach them that. So you don't have time, and a human learns faster than a dog. You don't have time mm -hmm. to teach your dog crap in a situation like this. 
the most valuable thing that your dog will do for you. And, and therefore, one of the most valuable dogs you could have in this scenario is a little bitty yappy dog. Mm -hmm. And that is when they hear something or they smell something or they see something and they don't like it, bark, 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 bark. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, and I love big dogs and I will always have big dogs, but if you are mobile, a small dog is easier to deal with. They eat less, they crap less, they pee less. You know, they fit in your trailer with you. I don't know how I would feel in a typical cargo trailer with a 65-pound uh, Pitski, a freaking 100-pound Pitbull mix, and a 150-pound German Shepherd. But a little Pomeranian or something can be quite valuable in that situation. So the number one thing your dog can do for you is just let you know stuff's going on and let whatever's going on know that you know something's going on. Yep. And that is like the at home, on the road, anywhere – That is the most valuable thing that most dogs do. As you move to bigger dogs, just because your dog only barks and doesn't bite doesn't mean the person that was thinking about stealing your shit knows that. All, they, know, was, all they see if, is you know a 150-pound German Shepherd with a bark that's really deep and makes your nads shrink up into your body. So they also are a physical deterrent, even if they're not going to bite. Right. If I was walking up to an RV in a Walmart parking lot to, to say, hey, you want to come over and join us? And I, I was walking up, and I was 10 feet away. I heard this. The first thing I would do is go, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would let them know that, you know, I'm out here, and I'm saying hello. It's like I'm not a threat. I'm not trying to sneak up on you. I obviously want to talk to you. Sure. Will you shut your damn dog up? <laughs> But see, now that dog, if they come and join you, they become, it becomes your asset as well. Because it doesn't uh -huh. like, now, here's the next thing. If you have a dog that is defensively trained, like let's say my Charlie, you have to be able to switch that dog off in this scenario. My property, my fence line, you try to come over it, and my pit bull eats your face, I ain't got no sympathy for you. Because mm -hmm. fences keep honest people out. So since it didn't work on you, I'm assuming you weren't honest, and you thought the dog was bluffing. Mm -hmm. If I am in a Walmart parking lot, that dog has to be turned off of that mode. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that you socialize your dogs outside of the home situation. And the most important thing with your dogs is making sure you're going to be able to take them with you, that they're going to be able to travel well, and that you can see to their needs. That's more important than what they do for you with security. If you need me to tell you what to do with your dog, For it to be valuable for security to you, I can't help you because I would have to come train your dog, mm -hmm. and I yep. can't do that. So if you have a dog that provides good security, in other words, you can tell that dog, hey, like somebody's walking in, the dog's all relaxed, and I can, like with Charlie, I can look at Charlie and go, watch him. And that dog goes stiff like he's pointing a bird, and his ass hairs go up, and he'll do this. That's mm -hmm. it. He'll stop. But I'll tell you what. You got it's got your attention. Yep. Right. But I can't teach you to do that in a podcast, right? I just can't. <laughs> Now, I, the item of the day today that people will hear about later after we're we're finished up is a training collar, and I think it is one of the ultimate tools for training your dog. But that's probably more than we can get into right now. But train your dog not just for security purposes. Train your dog. Load up means get in the freaking car. You know, mm -hmm. train that dog to get in and out of vehicles. Make sure you have food, water. I say it's PFP, plan for the puppies. Uh, so kind of that's probably as deep as we can go into dogs for something like this.
Yeah, uh, be careful that the training collar doesn't get used on you, like by your wife. You know, uh, you're sitting there watching TV with a beer, and all of a sudden the collar shocks you. You go, "Crap! I didn't. I left the seat up again." <laughs> all right, man. So let's let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite subjects in the military: tripwire alarms. Okay, uh, tripwires. I mean, what's a good tripwire, Jack? Well, there's the military wire, the thin wire that's used for tripwires. You can clear, use clear fishing line, like number twenty uh, test line. There is black fishing line, but there's also I got like a spool of ten miles of black line. I don't know what it's used for, but it makes for great tripwires. So, you know, first, what what are your favorite wires to use as tripwires? Well, let me tell you a story on that. When I was a kid, my friends and I decided to build a fort, and there were big kids that wanted to tear down our fort. So we decided we were going to fortify our fort. So one of the things we did is we, we took some really big logs, and we hung them overhead uh, with some fishing line, probably about eight-pound line. And then to each of those eight-pound lines, we ran a piece of 80-pound line and ran a tripwire. So if you walked through there and didn't know what it was, and you – snag that 80-pound line, it would just plumb, pull right through that 8-pound line mm -hmm. and drop that giant log on your head. <laughs> and we did a couple of these things, and, and fortunately, none of the big kids came out to tear our fort up while we had them in place. And my dad came out there. My dad was you know prior Vietnam veteran, uh, combat arms type guy. And when he showed up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, dad, no, right? So we all go running out, and then we were proud of ourselves. And we were showing them all the shit we set up. And it was a mixture of horror and pride in that man's face. He wanted to say well done, but he couldn't, you know? He's like, you got to take this stuff down. Somebody's going to get hurt. So uh, I think my first thing with Tripwire is, and most of what you have set up here is for that, is to alert you not to necessarily cause harm to the other individual because a Tripwire that's set up to something like that is basically a trap. And one of the things you have to be very aware of as a trapper, in any case in point, is the traps are indiscriminate. Yes. They don't care that you didn't know. They don't care that you didn't mean it, right? If it drops something heavier on you or shoots an arrow through your stomach, you got a problem. So let's start out with sticking to um, using these as alert systems. Now, on that yeah. note, what we used to do in the Army, we would use the wires for the telephone sets as an elect electrical transfer wire with a 9-volt battery mm -hmm. and use whatever line we had, it didn't matter what, to create the actual trip wire. And we mm -hmm. would take the plastic spoons that come in an MRE and use those to make a contact and run mm -hmm. that wire back to like a, a bulb out of a flashlight that we'd rig up. Mm -hmm. And all that trip wire would do is when you walk through, it would pull a st like a little piece of wood or a stop, any kind of an insulator, out from behind the back of that spoon that we'd attach to, let's say, a tree. Mm -hmm. And that would complete the circuit, and that light would come on. Yep. So our, our forward you know, our, our forward operating post, we would set these up so that we had a guy out on an observation out there to report back that you had you know enemy positions from what they call the Op 4 coming in. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you just have like four little lights. I mean, you could set this up quick, right? You'd have four little lights sitting on a tree in front of you. And that light would go on, and you'd not just know that somebody was coming, but where they were coming from. Now, that's probably beyond what we're going to do with the trailer, but those are the kind of, like, that's my background with tripwires. Uh, probably useful and maybe not so desirable. 
and since those little flashlight bulbs were out of the green military flashlights, they were so dim that they wouldn't let other people know. Yeah, that only you they could was, see them. <laughs> yeah, only you could see them. Yeah, uh, I should mention, it's not in my notes, but uh, clothespins is a popular thing. To wrap yep. some wire over each piece of a clothespin, put a plastic spoon or, or any piece of wood in there and then a string on it, attach it to a tree, and when someone comes by, they, they it gets pulled out, the clothespin goes closed, and it turns on a buzzer or a light. That's the elemental simplicity of a trip of a tripwire right there. Now, back to the root of your question, the, the, probably the best thing to use for strip wire is fishing line. It's cheap. Um, you use the right stuff. It's damn near invisible. It can mm -hmm. be really strong, or it can be easy to break, depending on what you want it to do. And there's a lot of other options out there. Tarred bank line is really strong, but it's highly visible. Mm -hmm. uh, a piece of eight-pound test um, you know, fluorocarbon clear, mm -hmm. you, you ain't going to see it. You know, you, mm -hmm. unless unless you, it's it's analogous to like, you know, you, you when do you see the spider web? About the time mm -hmm. you're eating the spider, right? So uh, that's kind of my favorite stuff to use. Do you know what uh, EOD and military use in the field to detect trip wires? Probably silly string. Nope. Um, Toilet paper, or silly string. That was our big thing we would use. Yeah, you didn't have this then. Uh, okay. Powerful uh, laser pointers. Oh yeah, that worked. Yep. That, that didn't make it. Yep. Yeah, we didn't have those. No. Yep. No, that would light them right up. It yeah, would light, light, light them right up instantaneously. <laughs> in fact, we'll talk about laser pointers in a bit, but yeah, you can use those to detect tripwires. But there's a, a beautiful thing that you will just absolutely die to play with. It's called a 12 gauge primer tripwire. There are uh, tripwire alarms that use 12 gauge blanks and they go bang. There's also ones that use just the 209 primer, which is just as loud and a lot cheaper. You're not going to find them on eBay. You're not going to find them on Amazon. You're going to have to Google them, 12-gauge primer tripwire. They're also at Canonfuse, link in the show notes, C-A-N-N-O-N-F-U-S-E.com. And uh, they will uh, even light fuses. They're so hot. So if you want to get some firecrackers and stick them through the hole in the bottom, when the 12-gauge primer gets pulled, uh, the, the, string, the, the safety pin gets pulled from the tripwire, it goes bang, and it lights the firecrackers or the gerb fountain or whatever you want, and it definitely lights the place up and lets people know that they have been detected. There are 12 gauge blank shotgun shell tripwires. You're going to have to Google those. I don't have a link for them. But on Amazon, <laughs> there are tripwires that you can stake into the ground. They got nice, you know, like tent stakes that go down in, hold them still. And they got a little pull thing on them that you can put a, a fishing line on. And they uh, shoot 22 caliber blanks, like what you'd use in a, uh, a bolt gun for putting a bolt into concrete, or you would use as a, as a 22 blank, like in a starter pistol. Amazon actually sells 22 caliber blanks for both construction and for uh, starter pistols, and they sell the 22 caliber blank alarms on Amazon, so you might want to go look at those. And now, I'll here's you, some When those go off uh, yeah. repeatedly, uh, they do sound like gunfire so much so that we were – We were shooting uh, ceiling suspension with those guns 
uh, on the floor of an office building uh, that had not yet been open to tenants on that floor, but had been open to tenants on the floor above us. And mm -hmm. we ended up, fortunately, it got headed off, but they called freaking police, and they sent a Dallas SWAT team. Oh, yeah, SWAT. <laughs> well, I don't think it was a team. It was before that was a term, right? You know, like, people didn't just, people weren't so stupid back then that they would do something. They really thought something was, there's like shooting going on down below. Uh, and if you can imagine, we're shooting it into their floor, right? So we're in our ceiling but their floor, and we had about 20 guys shooting suspension. So it was like, ba bam, ba bam, 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 ba bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and I guess nobody wanted to come downstairs to see what was going on. So, uh, yeah, they'll get your attention. <laughs> yeah, they definitely will. Now, here is a good one that I got from a uh, real high-level military friend of mine. And um, metal mouse traps, which are on Amazon and eBay. You know, again, in the show notes. Uh, we got both rat traps and mouse traps. I got the mouse traps here, and you just set the mouse. Uh, they got they're they're flat sheet metal. There's no wood in them, and you can actually screw them into a tree, or a post, or a stake, or whatever you want. You can set it up any way you want. Hook up the string to it before you set the mouse trap. Hook to cook the string up to it. You can even drill a hole in the bottom so the string can come out perpendicular to the uh, to the trip plate on the mouse trap. And when these things go off, they go snap with a metal-on-metal metal sound that is very distinctive. And it, if you want to put a bell on it, you can put a bell on it or a bear bell, whatever you want. But just that snap alone is probably going to wake you up. And uh, let alone if it's on your trailer, you imagine a rat trap going off attached to the metal wall of your trailer. Oh, yeah. It's going to go snap. You're going to go, what the hell? And it's definitely going to get your attention. So metal mouse traps are a time-proven, field-used, special forces technique for the field. Well, and I love mouse traps and rat traps anyway for basic um, bushcraft pre uh, preparedness. There's, mm -hmm. there's a couple things. Number one, well, they, they kill rats, mm -hmm. so they can kill animals up to about the size of a squirrel. Mm -hmm. So in and of themselves, they are a means of collecting food in that situation. But the mm -hmm. other thing they are is a trigger. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, say you wanted to set something big enough to, let's say, kill something the size of a raccoon or a marmot or something like that. Well, oh, can, yeah. Right? You could set a figure four, a figure four trap, right? Mm -hmm. And you could sit there and fiddle around with three pieces of wood until you get it just right and, and balance that boulder on it, and it might work. Or you can use that trap as a trigger, and it will pull whatever you've put the hell in there out of there, and it will fall down and crush whatever's underneath it. Now, don't mm -hmm. go crushing people that don't go make a Jack Spearco kid trap, you know, like <laughs> I did back in the day with them, because they'd work good for that, too. But they have that dual functionality, and they can become a trigger or a switch for anything. And so, like, yep. my bushcrafting kit, I always have some rat traps and, and mouse traps in those kits because they're small, they're lightweight, and they do so many things. The metal ones are even smaller and lighter than the wood yeah. ones. And I'm going to tell you about something that I bet you'll buy by the time the show is over. All right. There's figure four metal uh, traps on Amazon. Oh, that you can see. Yeah, you can set them up in five seconds. Well, that's cool. 
I'll have to look at those. I don't know if I'll buy it by the end of the episode, but I'll have to look at them because it's a, it's a time proven technique, obviously. But yep. um, yeah, it's it's a fiddly thing, and I guess if you're lost somewhere, you got nothing else to do. It's a morale booster to have something to do. But in my opinion, I'd rather eat well. Um, yep. I know rat traps work good for squirrels because when I was a kid, I found some of the old school. I'm talking, you know, the wood part was made out of oak. Mm-hmm. Um, nasty looking like bearing on a you know a 110 pair size uh freaking mm-hmm. rat trap and i found a bunch of them out in what we call the shanties like a shed you know up north and uh they all had holes drilled in them and mm-hmm. in the wood and i'm like the hell is this so i took him my grandfather and he's an old crusty old man he goes dems ain't rat traps them squirrel traps so, <laughs> what? he goes we drill them holes in it and you take a a nail or a screw and you attach it to a tree, put some peanut butter on it and set it. And when a squirrel goes in there, it catches him and he's stuck to the tree. So he can't, you know, run off with a trap or whatever. Mm-hmm, they will. Like, I said, did it work good? He goes, it, it worked good for about two years. Cause after two years, there wasn't a squirrel left in Schuylkill County. <laughs> <laughs> so if it'll feed you during the depression, it'll feed you on a bug out, you know? Um, yeah. If so, you- If you want to know anything about catching mice, squirrel, moles, voles, chipmunks, rats, uh, everything, the place to go that I- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to make you lose 40 hours of your life right now. Everyone listening to me, you're just going to write to me and say, curse you, Steve Harris. I lost 40 hours of my life over the last two months because of you. There is a very excellent channel on youtube called mousetrap monday hmm. and it's done by sean woods and it is every single mousetrap you can possibly even think of including a 10,000 year old one uh from the smithsonian that he remade from wellbone uh it is the place to go for mousetrap uh rat traps anyways that that's called mousetrap monday I'm sorry I just made you lose 40 hours of your life, but it is, if you want to trap for survival purposes, you can use everything you learn in there for, for doing it, uh, quite well. One of the, uh, best tripwire things I think you can do, they're called, uh, safe and sound personal emergency alarms. They're little things, they're like a key fob and they got a pin in them with a ring. And what you do is like, you clip it onto your belt and you attach it to your purse and you're walking back from the gym and someone snatches your purse. And when they pull the purse away from you, it pulls the pin and it's going, the loud siren and everything else. And like, you know, all the crook is going to do is pull it off and throw it away. But, uh, there are three, four, $17 on Amazon in the show notes and it is a very quick and simple tripwire because all you gotta do is attach one end to a tree or a stake and uh put some fishing line on it attach it to something else and when that pin gets pulled and it's easy to pull the pin this little thing is going off at 120 db some of them have a little led light in them and it it definitely lets you know that something is uh around All right, so uh, what if we just want to uh, keep it super simple with with that? I, I love that idea because those things, I, you know, I don't know how well they work as a personal alarm, but they are noisy Or, as hell. And if one's attached to a tree going ape shit in the middle of the night, you, you got the two-legged rat probably uh, bugging out himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So what do you want to do for simple, Jack? Oh, you know, you had some stuff in here about bear bells on a string. So anything yeah. that makes noise. And you also said mm -hmm. wires and strings to marbles in a can. And, that's you know, that's the old what I was, Vietnam. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you can you, anywhere you stop, you can probably find some old pop cans and stuff like that. And, rocks and in a can. Rocks yeah. in a can, put a string on them, you know. And then a the person's feet are all tangled up in it, and they're out there rattling around. And either there's somebody, again, that legitimately was just, you know, coming around to ask for help. Or there's somebody that wasn't, and 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 there's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to tell people that are are full of it. Um, one place I used to hunt, the guy had a sign on the gate to the property, and it said, "You're not lost. You're trespassing." <laughs> and, and he said, because you know he only ran the place on weekends, so he would come out Friday afternoon, open it up. Hunters would come in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go home, and he'd go back to his regular life. And he said every time he came out there to check on the place, he'd find somebody poking around out there. And when he put up that sign, they kind of went away. He didn't really see them anymore because you kind of get a sinking pit in your stomach because that was my excuse. And my, my, my two favorite signs in the world is if you can read this, you're in range. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have the one that says trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be fed to dogs. <laughs> well, let's move on to high tech and, right. and move through this thing. Um, if you want to be really uber high tech and you're a snowflake, you can pop up a drone and look around. Uh, DGI has one with a flur on it. But uh, the other high tech I have for you is night vision. Now, we're all used to the PVS-7s, the PVS-14s, PVS-31s. You know, we're talking... Two, three, four, six, eight grand for a night optic device, a nod. And um, even then they have their fragilities of burning tubes and stuff. But there's something coming up on the market. They're called digital night vision. And what they are is uh, a lot of people don't realize the CCD, uh, the charge coupled device sensor in a camera, video cameras, many times it's very sensitive to the IR field, to the infrared that you can't see. Not infrared as in thermal infrared, but infrared as in beyond the red spectrum. Uh, the spectrum goes from purple, blue to red. Uh, and so infrared is, is like your TV remote is below that. You can't see it. It starts at about 780 nanometers. And uh, the cameras are sensitive to this. And so what they've done is they've taken camera lenses, uh, sensors and lenses that are sensitive to infrared, and they put an infrared illuminator on the device, and then they put a screen inside. So you're holding up like a pair of binoculars, but really you're looking at a four-inch LCD screen that's attached to a simple camera in the housing with an infrared illuminator. Now, I got the links in the show notes, both to a $130 one on Amazon and the YouTube review of an honest review of this device on Amazon. Now, the $130 one, it doesn't take pictures. It doesn't record. It's just great. But I saw this thing. I was like, you know, if I was a farmer, I want to check on my cattle. This thing will see for a 1,000 yards. It will illuminate for a 1,000 yards. I could check on all my cattle in the field with this thing for 130 bucks. And it would be a great thing to see in the dark, especially if you're in a Walmart parking lot and it's lights out. You could see absolutely everything there is with this. Now, if you want to go to $300 or more, they'll record to an SD card. They'll take pictures. They'll do time lapse. But they're not quite as good 
as a night vision, uh, night optic device is right now, like a PBS 14. Uh, the PBS 14 actually depends on it. It has a little better field of view, which is only 40 degrees. Uh, so these can vary. Some of these are 3x zoom. Some of them are 1x. I personally like the 1x, but they will let you, because they are as good as a PBS 14, uh, 14 because they got a big infrared illuminator on it. So you can really see in the dark. The military wouldn't want to use this because your big infrared illuminator on a PBS 14 for the other guy is like saying, shoot me, shoot me, drop a mortar on me. But that's not going to happen in a Walmart parking lot or a campground. And you can see everything at night starting at 130 bucks. Go watch the YouTube video and look at some of the stuff uh, on Amazon. I think this is, you know, in five years, we're going to have digital night vision even better than what we have now with the, uh, the FLIR tubes and everything else. And uh, it's really going to be it's really going to be exciting. Well, and what, let me, what, let me what can just, be done. just say this about, you know, the quality of, of something like this product. Is it to the quality of a, of a $3,000 product? No. But I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than the first generation NVGs that I used as a soldier. Yeah. It, that, it's way better than that. Those mm-hmm. things sucked. The, these are equivalent <laughs> to a second gener, night, gener, generation night vision and with the IR illumination. And you can actually buy IR flashlights that are like 1,000 yep. lumen LED flashlights. These things are better than third gen night vision if you got an external IR source. They light everything up. I've used them with, I got cameras, not this camera, this night vision device. I got cameras that are sensitive to infrared and I got a handheld LED flashlight that is IR and it lights up my neighbor's house 200 feet away like no one's business. I mean, it's like it's daytime. It's so bright, it's reflecting back and it's too bright. But anyways, if you're listening, you want to go look. It's called the Night Fox, one word, N-I-G-H-T-F-O-X, 100V as in Victor. You can go on Amazon. You, you can go to, to the show notes and link into it. And please look at the YouTube video. It would be a really great tool. Uh, I had a friend of mine go, uh, go into Katrina delivering food supplies, and he had a, a PVS-14 with him, which is a military night optic device. And and the the cops were borrowing it from him, and they were watching people underneath the overpasses and bridges and everything else, and it gave him a real tactical advantage. Let's go on. That's about all I have for high tech, but let's go to simple tech. And, Jack, I mean, you might be someplace, you might be in a campground with your trailer, and you want to go into town, you got to leave your trailer behind. Well, what if someone wants to come steal your trailer? Well, you're back to locks, and locks are another one of the things that keep honest, honest people, people, people honest. honest. Right. Um, but they do impede and slow down people. And if I have, if I'm a criminal and I see two potential targets and one of them's really easy and the other one ain't, I'm going to go for the easy one. The, the big problem we have today is, is a wonderful tool. I, I love the tool. I think it's one of the greatest things that's ever been given to people from a construction and, and, and maintenance and homesteading thing. The cordless angle grinder. 
Yep. It is a wonderful tool. When I built my aviary, being able to zip 16-foot straight-line cut in hardware cloth with one was great. However, they will cut a chain. They will cut a lock. They will cut just about anything in time. In about 10 seconds. In about 10 seconds. The good news is they're noisy as hell. And bright. And, and they make a lot of noise, and they make a lot of, you know, so... The, the, the first thing always with, if you have to leave something somewhere, in addition to locking it, is putting it somewhere where the person that would bother it is going to feel exposed. And then kind of ferreting out, there's two types of people that are going to steal with your trailer, right? Number one is the person that wants to steal the whole trailer. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things we can do for that. But the majority of people, what they're actually going to want is to get in. They mm -hmm. want to get in, and they want to take what's valuable, and they want to go. So we have to approach that kind of two different ways. But the, the very first thing is putting it where it is difficult um, to, 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 to steal from. Like, let's say you're in a Walmart parking lot. Mm -hmm. You know how they have those little things that look like a, little, like a, like a scissor lift or the police go in? Yep. Park next to that. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, there ain't even nobody in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But think about... Think about that type of an approach, first of all. And then let's talk about some different ways we can lock things up and secure them. Some different ways you can lock and secure stuff is um, you can do one of the nice things. You got two wheels on each side of your trailer. You can run a big chain between the wheels and lock them up, and you know the, it's not going anywhere. If you got one wheel, uh, what you can do is run a chain through it, and you can lock it to something like a light post or a tree. Uh, another one, <laughs> thanks Dave again, is you can uh, put jack stands underneath your trailer and take the damn wheels off and take the wheels with you. <laughs> that makes it kind of difficult to steal the trailer. Uh, that works very well. Uh, also, there's a simple one. There's the hitch lock. If you watch Lock Picking Lawyer or Bosnian Bill on YouTube, you know the saying, friends don't let friends buy master locks. <laughs> But there is, there is a very nice master lock, uh, coupler lock that goes up inside the hitch and locks over it so you can't connect, uh, onto it and, uh, and then haul the trailer away. So between chaining your, chaining your tires up and, uh, a ball hitch lock, you should be, pretty uh secure and like i said if you got the right size trailer and you're worried about it uh put jack stands underneath it and take the wheels with you you know <laughs> it's, it, we, we talked about this too previously with some of the ways of securing the trailer the, the simplest way i know especially if you have a trailer has like the one big door that opens in the back mm -hmm. back it up against something yep back it up against a light pole back it up against a wall back it up against you know a tree And that is a good strategy because we talk about using the stuff you use every day. Use the strategies every day. If you have a trailer on your property that can't go in a garage or something like that, and you keep stuff in there and you want it to be secure, back it up against a tree, back it up against a wall. Just it, yes, you can. You know, two guys can drag a trailer forward. It's all you're doing with these types of security measures is how many obstacles. Can I put in front of this? How inconvenient can I make this? How much every person, not just criminals, every person in every situation does a risk-reward analysis, right? Yep. Right? So, like, when I was teaching my, my son's friends to be more uh, aggressive rebounders with a basketball because they were all kind of weak sauce on the rebounds, 
You know, they're also thinking, I got to fight for this and I might get hit and whatever because they're little and they're scared. So I started taking basketball, I tape a dollar bill to it and bounce one off the rim. Well, all of a sudden, they're a little bit more serious about their rebounding. What do you think <laughs> happened when I taped a ten dollar bill to that sucker? Kids were knocking, <laughs> they're knocking each other over. And so they learned how to rebound. Well, that's a risk reward and it's not a negative risk reward. So everybody does risk reward analysis. Like, I really want that piece of fruit on the end of that branch, but I don't think that branch will hold my ass. So I'll shake the tree and if it don't come out, I'll wait, right? So everything we do like this makes that criminal think the reward is maybe not worth the risk. You know, it, by slowing you down, by impeding you, all of these things, that's what it's all about. Like, Because I guarantee you, if you leave that trailer with the door wide open, you're coming back to nothing. Yep. You know, you, you can see, like, the the, the, uh, the prank channels and stuff. They, they never have a hard time finding a mark, right? They, I don't know if you saw them when they took a bicycle. And they yes. took a dog shot collar and put it in the seat. Oh no! I, I saw the one where they where they took it apart where and taped it. Fell apart. It, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's good too. But the, the one with the the dog collar in the seat. So they take the two electrodes. They just barely stick up through the seat, right about the point where you know your jewels are, and they set the bike on a wall and they just left it there. It didn't take five minutes for some dude to come around, kind of look around, jump on it, and start hauling ass down the hill with it. And, of course, then they lit him up on, like, setting 130 or something like that. And they, But they got, you know, a couple dozen people in one outing. So if you <laughs> make it easy, if you make it easy, people will take your stuff. Yes, If you they make will. it hard, if you want to see something funny, we can't get into it today, but go home and Google, uh, when we get off the air, Google Glitter Bomb Porch Pirate. Oh, yeah, I've seen, you seen that. that. It's like yeah. a NASA engineer that, like, we, we won't get into it here on air. But, guys, I'll tell you, if you want to have your day made a little bit, you know. So there's always ways to kind of get even with the nefarious. But you don't have time for that when you're bugging out, I guess is my point. So you want to impede them as much as you can. Yeah, and he's got fart spray in fart it, too. Fart spray, yeah. So just real quick, so we can let the audience know. Your guy sets up a package. He's got, like, four... Uh, uh, don't don't tell him. Yeah, you go on. watch it. Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about all this is good and well and fine. Um, I wanted to mention one thing about trailers. My bug out trailer is backed up to my garage door. There you go. So you actually have to unlock my garage door, raise the garage door to open my barn doors on my trailer. Excellent. And also, also, I'm thinking of selling my bug out trailer. If you want a Steve Harris bug out trailer, uh, email me. I'll, maybe I'll send you some pictures or something. Uh, I'm looking at getting one. I'm six foot two. The trailer's five and a half feet tall. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. And everyone else can walk around in it, <laughs> but me, <laughs> I got to be hunched over like the hunchback in Notre Dame. And it's completely outfitted with Harris stuff. And I'm thinking, someone said, why don't you just sell that and go get another one? It's like, eh, I just might do that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the final, the final uh, level of security. And that is, You know, lethal defense. If someone this is really what needs... this is what everyone's waiting for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what do you have to say on that? Well, you, you you might be talking about like, well, what gun do I take with me, and we, you know, do I bring an AR or a shotgun? Got news for you. You're probably going to have all your guns with you, because if you're bugging out from like a forest fire, you know, in California or something, or a flood, it's like I'm not leaving my guns behind to get flooded or burned. 
I'm putting them in my, you know, I'm taking them all in cases with me. You know, I might be in a Walmart parking lot with my barn doors open. The cop comes up and goes like, what do you got all those guns for? It's like, I wasn't going to leave them home to burn. And the cop's going to go, okay. So you just might have all your guns with you. There's a really important thing there, though, that I think people need to think about. You need to know when you have a bug out plan, any state that you might drive through and what's mm-hmm. different about their gun laws than your own. In New Jersey, not storing your guns properly when you're driving down the road could result with, with your situation you just gave multiple felonies. Yep. Uh, and do, should the government use common sense in these situations? Yes. Never bet the government will use common sense. So whatever you need to have to make your guns legal wherever you're going, have it now. Have it now, and you should already have planned where you would go. Fortunately for me, I'm surrounded by states like Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. But, you know, and Texas is big enough, I probably don't have to leave anyway. But understand that you can deal with law enforcement officers, especially in these situations, that are pulled in from outside and don't even know local laws. Yep, exactly. All, all the Mutual aid. Yeah, all the shit that happened during uh, Hurricane Katrina, people wanted to make it like it was, uh, you know, New World Order taking all our guns or something like that. It was cops that were from New Jersey or Maryland or whatever that, mm-hmm. that were brought in as reserve officers mm-hmm. that were so willing to do this because it made perfect sense to them. It wasn't Louisiana cops doing it, mm-hmm. right? So just understand that, you know, you need to think about what you say and how you say it and how you do things, uh, and nothing could be more true when we're talking about firearms. Because um, yep. I know there's people in this audience, I've heard from them, I'll do whatever I want. And you will wear orange. You okay? will wear orange so, and silver bracelets. Yeah, yes, you yeah. will. So, yeah. Anyway, let's go forward from there. Yeah. Um, uh, the answer for your question, the, the best answer is a hard shell case, gun unloaded, take the bolt out if you can, and uh, ammunition uh, separate. Uh, some states make you have ammunition in factory boxes. Uh, no loaded mags and locked cases that will probably get you through most most stuff. In Texas, they'll go, "Hey, what you got? Anything good? Can I see it?" Pretty much. But you know, in New Jersey, no, they ain't gonna go. You know, personally, as far as I go, you know, what am I gonna use if I'm out? I'm gonna have an M4223 with two Magpul P-Mag 40 round magazines clamped together for 80 rounds on the gun, and I'll have a chest rig with more and uh, a, a very bright 18650 tactical light on the gun, and a Glock 17 9 millimeter with uh, Federal H, uh, HST plus P's in it, but that's me. Uh, Jack, how about you? You're gonna have your 357 pistol and that 357 rifle you got for your 10th anniversary? Well, you know. That, uh, that handgun, when I showed it to my niece-in-law, she said, I think they made a movie about this gun. Um, <laughs> but it's, but that's really not what I want in this situation. Number one, I am always going to be carrying something, and I'm probably carrying my SIG 239 uh, in 357-SIG. And a mm-hmm. handgun, to me, is the most valuable personal defense tool because it's always with you, and it doesn't attract attention, especially if you have your you know permit license, whatever you want to call it, whatever state you're in. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it should be there anyway, and it's the primary thing that I'm going to rely on. on. On that note, some of you are lucky. You live in states that do not require a permit, a license, anything to carry a handgun, including concealed or open carry. That's right. All of those states, though, since they're liberty-loving states, have signed on board with reciprocity. 
You can only have reciprocity with the reciprocity states if you go get the permit they do give. And I think like in Vermont, like it's like you print it out and take it into the thing and they stamp it or something. And they all look different because every place has a different one. But whatever it is, if you have a state where you don't have to have a license to carry, if you might bug out or just for convenience of travel, I really recommend you go ahead through the little bit because those states are so simple anyway. In fact, the only reason like those states ever came up with anything, they were like, well, shit, like when, you know, when Joe goes to Florida, he can't carry because I can I can tell you all about that real quickly. Uh, I got to get my CCW, my concealed carry in Michigan, which requires a class. I had my concealed carry in Pennsylvania, which was easy to get. Plus, I was a reserve deputy; it was easy, and I had, so I had a PA concealed carry. Then they had a thing for us uh, for it was through a law enforcement organization. We could go and take our Utah concealed carry permit class, and it's like a six-hour class. You get fingerprinted. I mean, it, it's like an assembly line. They do everything for you. They give you all the information. They give you everything you need to know. They give you the legal information. They fingerprint you. They take your picture, and they give you the envelope with all the paperwork that you've signed to send into Utah. You send into Utah, and you get your permit, and, it, like, Utah is recognized by 38 states. But you got to have your Pennsylvania permit in order for the Utah permit to be any good. i got to have my Michigan permit for my Utah permit to be any good. And then you can carry in 37 states concealed uh, with it. So what you want is you want your state permit and you want your Utah permit. And if you're in California, Oregon, Washington, Maryland, New Jersey, any of the New England states, you're screwed because you're not going to get your state permit. You know, and you might want to think about that when you're planning where you'd bug out to. That's as right. A, as a gun owner, the hell with the self-defense thing. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, I'm not leaving my guns to burn in a, in a, a you know, or, or be flooded or be looted. Because mm-hmm. you know if somebody breaks in, one of the first things they're looking for is firearms. Yeah. Because it has an immediate black market value. And they, want, yeah, they right. don't want your gun, right? They don't want your computer. They mm-hmm. don't want your radio. They want money. Mm-hmm. So jewelry, firearms, tools, those are the things people hit first in a, in a burglary. So, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm not I'm gonna behind. T- Go ahead. I'm going to tell you something right now I learned as a reserve officer going through the, the Reserve Academy for law enforcement. The law enforcement must have a permit to search a locked case. If you give them permission to search your car, or they have to get permission, uh, a, a court order to search your car, and they find a locked case, they have to get another court order to search that locked case. And gotcha. if there's a locked case in the locked case, they got to get a court order to search that locked case. So it, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. No, I so, love this. I love this. So, so if I mean, like New Jersey and California has completely outlawed magazines over ten rounds. It's a friggin' felony. Yeah. For some reason, if you're in Arizona and you're bugging out to California because of relatives, and you got thirty round mags. You go get yourself uh, a briefcase, not an ammo can, not a tactical bag. You go get yourself a briefcase that looks like you would take to work. And you put all of your unloaded, illegal California magazines into the locked briefcase. And they go, you got any 30-round mags? Nope. 
Okay, and if they go, what's in what's in the briefcase? You go, uh, my legal papers, my house document, my title, my deed, and everything else. Yeah. Well, well, can you open it for me? No, no. I lost the key. I lost the key. No. Okay. They actually have to get a permit. So what? Is there something called, you know, in plain sight in law enforcement? If they see a thirty-round mag in plain sight, you're in trouble. They can't see through a briefcase, and they got to get a court order to open it. And they're not going to, you know, mess with that in a disaster or at all. And they got no, they got no probable cause or reasonable suspicion to expect that you're carrying thirty-round mags inside a briefcase. You know, a tactical bag or an ammo can might be a different story, but a briefcase, no. So that might be a good way for you to handle transporting something that's illegal into and through a state that you have to bug out with. But let's move on. Um, here's just, just real quick on that same theory. This has to do with cell phones too. You know that new fancy shit where you look at your phone and recognizes your face and it unlocks. Yep. Yeah, turn that shit off because. All of a sudden, that's in plain sight. If if you need to unlock my phone, you need the same type of warrant. Yes, you, you can't make me unlock my phone. But now, if, you say but, are you are you just said turn that shit off. Are you meaning turn that shit on to use it? No, turn it off because if your face unlocks your phone mm -hmm. while you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation with law enforcement, and your phone's unlocked, it's in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Now they can look at it and. You know, they might just be nefarious enough to kind of push it in front of you or something like that. So I don't believe in, in the fingerprint security, you know, unlocking with your thumb. And I don't oh, believe in the face. You, turn, you want the, you want the digit. You, you want have the to digit. be able to type that digit in. When you get pulled over, anything that's visible on the screen of your phone is considered the same thing. It's in plain sight. Mm -hmm. So anything, like if you went to pick your phone up or whatever and it unlocks... And, you know, if you do what I would do, I always record every interaction with law enforcement really politely, but I also immediately, like, they'll keep recording when I hit that little side button and locks the screen. Never mm -hmm. leave your screen unlocked. Don't use facial recognition to unlock your phone. Don't use your thumbprint. Make it have a hard-encoded digit. I know people think you have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide. That is not true. And That's right. if it happens to be that you were texting your buddy on Facebook and you have your Facebook open, and there's a guy standing there with his profile picture with an AK. I don't know. If I'm a cop and I see that, if nothing else, I'm taking a little more scrutiny on your vehicle. That's reasonable suspicion. Right? Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, even though it's not, it is legally. So, yeah, just, just on that, you made me think of that when you said that. I've been meaning to get that on the air for a while. Don't use that shit because I can, I, unlock, I can unlock your phone. I can just pick your phone up and point it at you and unlock it. You still got that great Leo on the expert panel? Um, yes, technically, but he might get replaced because he's piking. Okay, he, he, that would be a great thing for a Leo to address. Yeah. Uh, I, anyway. Anyways, from a good friend of mine who does m military and government shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, crap. I didn't mean to say that. Um, who does, I, I try not to swear. Yeah. But anyways, um, Handheld laser, laser pointer. Some flashlights have lasers built into them. He has been many places where there's been, you know, third world countries, second world countries, first world countries. There's a bunch of people that they, they want them to stay away or they're coming towards them. They take the handheld laser and they like start pointing at them a hundred yards, fifty yards away. They turn around and go away real quick. <laughs> 
People associate a red or a green laser with a gun, and it is a huge intimidation factor. With that said, don't bring a laser to a gunfight. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, okay? It's just an, an, it's an attention getter. It's a warning. It's an intimidation device. Me, I like to use what's called the 50-mile assassin green laser pointer on eBay, which says 5 milliwatts. It's not. If you watch Styro Pyro, who is a walk-on-water genius laser expert on YouTube, and it's S-T-Y-O-P-Y-R-O, he says he's a big safety person, too. He says these things will burn your retina in a fraction of a second. But it is a very, very powerful beam, and it runs on 18650, and it will intimidate the crap out of anyone. Uh, so that is a really good deterrent. It's One, it says, I'm here, I see you. Two is, if you think I got this, I probably got a gun behind it, and you're just going to go away. But like I said, don't bring a laser to a gunfight. I, I think they, one of the things we should have with lasers, too, even though we're on defense here, is they're great signaling devices. Yes. Uh, you, that's another thing I have in my wilderness kit, my bug out bag, because, okay, you can sit there with your signaling mirror. Right? Or you could actually, yeah, yeah. If you're lost in the wilderness, go ahead and start painting airplanes with your laser. They'll send somebody out to arrest you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at least somebody will come. (laughs) Or if you see that that, uh, Coast Guard helicopter flying by, you want their attention, you hit them with that laser, they're going to be looking at you, and it's like, you're all, 20 of you are waving on top of the building in Katrina. Yeah, and they're going to like, okay, there are some people we need help. They need help. Absolutely. So it is a real good signaling. Just don't hold it on it. Just kind of like swish it by them a few times to get their attention. But the lasers come in uh, green, red, blue, purple, infrared. I just stick with the green and the reds. Uh, the best fight, uh, you know, from Sun Tzu, the best fight is the one that you never have to fight. Um, uh, now, also a regular Orion brand, you know, a boat flare, a 12-gauge boat flare. Uh, you shoot that towards someone. Not only does it say, I see you, I'm sending something towards you, it also makes them wonder who else saw this flare go off. And like you said, the most people are cowards. And most criminals are cowards and they don't want the attention and that will also get, you know, that will also be a deterrent. Again, don't bring a flare gun to a real gunfight. The other thing is a thousand lumen flashlight, one of the damn bright ones. You can, you know, makes people think Jesus is coming back. They're so darn bright. Uh, not only did you just screw their night vision, uh, while you still have some of yours, but you can see them, you can light them up and see what they have, what they don't have. You know, it, it might be a bunch of, it might be a family, a bunch of people. You don't see any weapons. And you say, hey, wave flashlight, hey, come on over here. You know, more people for the Walmart parking lot. You know, whatever you want to do, but 1,000 lumen flashlights are pretty cheap. Make sure yours runs off of two 18650s, not one 18650. Jack, uh, what else do you want to talk about before we finish up about fighting back? Uh, how about the, trebu- the trebuchet on top of the bug-out trailer? Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. I did have a uh, – there was a system that Lockheed made called the Harpoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a modular system, and it could have chain guns on it and missiles and all kinds of crap, but it would fit like in the back of a Humvee. And it, oh, yeah. it, it never caught on. They had a mock-up one 
uh, when I was a contractor out there, and I almost got them to give me the mock-up one. They're like, I don't see why we can't do that. It doesn't actually do any. And then some somebody put the K-Bosh on it. But uh, <laughs> that, that would be interesting on your bug-out trailer, have one of the old-school harpoons with uh, two chain guns on it. Um, in, in all seriousness, first what I want to say is bugging out, situations like Katrina, et cetera, is not combat. It doesn't change the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. And in our space, we have some people that I, I just feel like they're just waiting to play Red Dawn, and they want to get out with all their gear, and they think they're going to be fighting the UN blue helmets or something. If you are using lethal force in any situation, the threshold for it being warranted is the same. And if mm -hmm. you're going to be an armed citizen, beyond what your state says is required of you, You need to know the law, and you need to know what's you know, morally and ethically right additionally. Because shooting some kid for stealing your shit, it, it ain't no. worth it. It ain't worth nope. it. Even if you get away with it, it ain't worth living for the rest of your life. Because all of a sudden that kid's going to become really personal to you when you see his mother cry. So mm -hmm. just keep that threshold in mind. Now, with that said, I want to back up to the firearms thing that we kind of went by and I talked about, you know, concealed carry and all. The long gun that I think makes the best sense for defense in most situations is a good quality tactical shotgun. Mm -hmm. I've looked at enough uh, studies, and I'll tell you what shotguns do. They end fights. Mm -hmm. They end fights. No, they're not going to reach out 150 yards unless you have like a deer one with a scope for Sabo honey. You're not in a defensive situation in our society, right, if you're shooting somebody 150 yards away. You, it, We are not soldiers. We don't get, we can even go play soldier with airsoft gun, but we don't get to go play soldier with real guns. I have nothing against ARs for self-defense. I think they are fantastic as well. But a shotgun, my hope would be that if I do have to go to a gun, that I still am enough degrees of separation away that the mere presence of the gun makes the other person leave. Yes. The barrel of a 12 gauge is a universal signal for go away. There, there is no one that's not intimidated by any gun, but specifically by a shotgun. A shotgun is a very, and everybody, now I don't like this because, you know, why aren't, I don't believe in carrying with a round not in the chamber, but the sound of an 870 pump or a Mossberg 500 is universal. There's not a person in the world that does not know the sound of that action going off. And that is incredibly intimidating. And the reality is, and we know this from studies by the NRA and such, the majority of situations where an armed citizen prevents a crime, no shots are ever fired. Mm -hmm. And so I like the shotgun for what it does if you have to rely on it. I like the shotgun for the intimidation factor. I like the shotgun for the reliability. And if it, I get into a situation that's bad enough that I have to start arming people that aren't, aren't typically armed, I like it for the speed of this is how this thing works. When uh, law enforcement, this is an actual statistic um, that we were taught, when law enforcement uses a shotgun in a, a counter and it's shot, do you know at what percentage of the encounters the 12-gauge shotgun is lethal? Probably somewhere in the 90s. 98% lethality. Yeah. yeah. It's... It's something you don't want to happen to you. I'll put it that way. And I don't, and again, I want to reiterate, I don't ever want to be 
on the news for having used one of my weapons to kill somebody, even no. if it's completely justified. I don't want that burden. But what, it, what if, is but the if you put what me, is, go ahead? What is the one thing I told you on the very first show I was on with you that you remember to this day and you remember associated with me? I don't know. It's easier to feed your neighbors oh, than yeah. it is to yeah, shoot yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shoot somebody over stealing, you know, the lights off my trailer. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna try to avoid them there. But if, if it does come, my, my kind of finish there is, if it does come to the point where my life is threatened or the life of another human being is threatened to the point where I have to deploy lethal force, I mm-hmm. want it to be extremely efficiently lethal. Mm-hmm. Right. I want. Oh yeah. I, I don't even care if it's lethal. I'm probably better off from a legal standpoint because now there's one story. But yeah, I want right. I want the threat to stop immediately. And you can find there's a lot of lethality in gunshots that do not equal stopping the threat before the threat can kill you or injure you or injure another person. The the 22 kills more people than any other round out there. It's it's miserable at one stop. One shot stops. It is. The person generally bleeds out and dies because it penetrates like a freaking dart, right? And yeah. you, you can show all the pretty pictures of expanded bullets you want. When you put a hole through somebody's lung or both lungs, they're going to die unless they get immediate help, and sometimes even then. But shotguns make people stop, you know, whether yes. it's for fear or because they've stopped functioning. Now, I, I do want to reiterate one more thing on this. What you should expect when you shoot somebody, if you have to, for them to do is absolutely nothing. Um, you cannot depend on this working. There was a, 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 a robber that was shot across the street from my dad's, dad's gas station in Jacksonville, Florida, that literally had half his head blown off. Mm-hmm. He ran 60 yards before he fell over dead. If I shoot you, again, this comes from training. If I shoot you right now in the heart, Jack, with a 45 or a 9 millimeter, and it's like right through your heart, you got enough blood pressure in your body and blood flow that you will be able to react for about 10 seconds. Which is plenty of time to shoot you back. That's and, right. And that's law, law enforcement is not, the law enforcement cannot shoot you to kill you in a court of law. They, they have to say, why did you shoot my client 17 times? Because he, 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 he because he wasn't stopped. Yeah. Law enforcement is only allowed to shoot until the threat is stopped. By the way, so, so are civilians. That, that is our threshold. In Texas, you're even taught in your training class that this is what not only what you do, this is what you say, mm-hmm. you know. Afterward, and I would just we'll we'll, we'll, we'll finish up here because we've gone kind of long. Um, yeah. If you are an armed citizen and you have not listened to the Masada Yub interview that we have from years ago on TSP, you are wrong. That guy has been the guy defending people in a court of law probably more times than anybody else when they've had to defend themselves. And if you ever get an opportunity to take his course on you know, being prepared if you ever have to use lethal force, I, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, I think we made a really good episode on security that uh, is going to apply to a bug-in, a preparedness situation. It's going to apply to um, a bug-out situation. I think uh, it's got a lot of really good, a lot of really good stuff on it. I agree, man. I appreciate you being with me, and we'll get together next month, and we'll keep plodding through this thing. 
And everyone out there, uh, if you want to know more about me and all the stuff I've done with Jack, go to Stephen1234.com. And I'm probably going to be having a membership website, maybe even a secret video, pre-roll, rough cut type of website. Uh, it's, the site's not up yet, but go look at Harris1234.com uh, for information on that coming up. Jack, again, I am so appreciative. I love your community. I love contributing to Facebook. I love answering the questions that people come to me with, even one-on-one. You have built such a wonderful community, and I am even if I never, ever gave a website out for the rest of my life with you, I would still be – it is a way for me to contribute back. It's my charity. It's an area that I absolutely love. I, I love the audience. I love the people. Even the people who don't like me, I like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, man, absolutely, and we love having you around, and uh, and I think this has been pro- this series has probably been one of the best things we've done together, and probably one of the best things we've ever done on TSP. So again, I thank you because, folks, you guys need to know that I don't have time to do all the legwork on these episodes and still produce, you know, the other twenty nine shows a month. So uh, it's all on Steve to do the legwork on these. And Steve, man, thank you for it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thanks to everyone listening. Any Again, you got questions for Harris for the expert panel, email me, email Jack. If you want to ask me personally something, you can email me directly. I'm very discreet. Uh, I will absolutely positively get you taken care of. I guarantee it. Great stuff, as always, when I have Stephen Harris on the show. Hope you enjoyed this, and we will be continuing the series. I, I think it's going to run 12 to 14 total episodes, so we probably have a good four or five more of them to go. Anyway, as we finish today, I want to remind you, in addition to becoming a member of the MSB, the other way you can support this show really easily is by doing your online shopping at TSPAS. And I'll quickly remind you, all the stuff we chatted about on the air with Stephen today is available through links on today's episode. But if you go to tspaz.com, you'll go to a sub-page of the Survival Podcast website. You can see all the items that I've ever reviewed. You can see the deals of the day over at Amazon, and as long as you start your shopping there, you help support this show and the work that we do, no matter what you eventually buy. I do review items day-to-day for you. I'm bringing one back around today. It kind of fits in with today's segment where we talked a little bit about dogs. And as I said today, the, the, a dog is as valuable as the dog's training. Uh, that, that's what the dog is capable of doing, what the dog is trained to do. And today's product is the Dogtra Remote Training Collar System. This is, yes, an electronic collar. Yes, it does emit an electric shock that is painful to the neck of the dog. And if you abuse that, and if you use this thing as any time a dog does what you don't like it, you just set it off, then what you need is this thing stuck in your ass and set off randomly throughout the day until you learn to be a better human being. That is not how you use a training collar. What I love about the Dogtra is it has settings from 1 to 127. What this does is it lets you, as you're learning to work with your dog and use this correction, which is what it is, to increase that number until you find the number that gets your dog's attention. And when you find that number, you stop. Maybe with some dogs a little more stubborn, you go up one or two more points, but you find what's called the minimal level of correction. There's a lot of different ways to use this tool. Uh, I am completely sold on it. 
It is a big part of how I train Charlie. And let me give you an example of, yes, there's some discomfort. No, it's not abuse, and it might save your animal's life. So when I first got Charlie, he was pretty easy to train to a lot of things, but he doesn't like loud things. If you're out shooting airsoft guns, and it might be a real gun at some point, he jumps at the gun. If you're running something like a chainsaw or a weed eater, he tries to attack it. Okay? Now, if he attracts a weed, attacks a weed eater, he's going to get smacked in the face with it. I'm not happy about it, but he's going to be okay. As long as you don't lose an eye, eh, he'll learn. If he attacks a chainsaw, have you ever seen a chainsaw injury? Fortunately, I've never seen one on a dog, but I've seen one. It's pretty horrific. So, we used it to teach him that chainsaws were bad. And if you go near a chainsaw, you get a correction in the neck. He doesn't attack chainsaws anymore. We, and then the beauty of this thing, it also has a vibration setting. So the dog can be reminded without being shocked. Little buzz, hey, knock it off. Anyway, I'm not going to get deep into it today. I'm just going to tell you this is a fantastic training tool. If you look up my prior episodes on training dogs, you'll find a lot of information about how to use it. There's multiple different ways to use it. I also use this on Lucy. Lucy, when she first came here, our little uh, uh, pit husky mix, she was a, a wreck. If I touched her, she peed. She quivered. She cowered. Three days later, I had a dog that could walk on a leash, be told to go into the house, right? Would heal, would sit, and would shake paw. Yep. How much of this collar did I use during that period? Absolutely not. She wasn't ready for it yet. When she started attacking livestock, we put it on her, we jacked up the number, and when she went after the livestock, unlike Charlie, who was more of a training correction tool, it was just, she got shocked whenever she went after the livestock. Broke that habit really quick, about three times, never did it again. This is one example of how you use this tool. But just like you would use a training mechanism differently on two different children or two different people or two different soldiers, and you would tailor it to what that individual needs, you have to use the same type of tactics in training dogs. But this is my favorite tool to work with. You can read the write-up for more information about it. And again, you can look at some of my past episodes on dog training to learn more about how I actually use this tool. Next up, uh, let's talk about our song of the day. Song of the day today is by Garth Brooks. One of the songs I've always loved by Garth Brooks, even though I'm not real big into like gospel stuff, it has kind of like gospel, you know, sound and thing going on to it. Uh, we shall be free. And this song is about, you know, an ideal world. What would it be like if we had an ideal world? Nobody would be hungry, everybody would have a place to live, everybody would be left alone. That's a big part of this that I think people miss in this song. You know, they basically, anybody can say and do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt anybody else. This is basically, I don't think it's where Brooks was coming from or the writer of the song was coming from. It. This is an anarchistic view. You can, do, you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody. Every voice can be heard, but that doesn't mean that everybody obeys every voice. That doesn't mean that every voice gets to monopolize other voices. But then I learned about something about the song when I read the, the, the write-up on song facts about it today that I didn't know. Apparently, the right-wing Christian conservatives that listen to country music got all kinds of ass hurt over this song. From one line in it, which is, free to love anyone that we choose. Which, of course, that would mean that gay people are free to love whoever they choose. And my God, that's horrible. There were stations that refused to play it. And this is why I say, the left, as loony as the left is, they have no monopoly on either feigned outrage or virtue signaling. 
And this is why I think it is not just that liberalism is a mental disorder. Statism is a mental disorder. It's a belief that it's ever okay for us to give rights we don't have to other people to enforce our will. In other words, I have no right to tell you who you can or can't marry. I have no right to tell you what substance you can or can't use. I have no right to tell you you need to give me a portion of what you earn. I have none of those rights. Our system, which is a, a, a constitutional republic in a, rep, in a form of a representative democracy for all this arguing about, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. We're both. We're a representative democracy in the form of a republic. And if you don't believe that, then you don't understand our system of government at all. Period. Okay? So... Under that system, the entire concept is that we take our authority and power and right, and we grant another person the ability to exercise it on our behalf to make things more efficient. That's the entire point. That is the entire point of a system of government like we have. Well, since you don't have a right to steal my effing money, how do you have a right to vote for somebody who will vote to steal my effing money? Since you don't have any right to come into my home and say, hey, I don't like that you're drinking that beverage, how do you have the right to elect somebody that might say, I'm not allowed to? Oh, I know we don't have prohibition of alcohol, but we did. And how is that different from prohibition of cannabis? This song to me is not about a liberal utopia, which I think some people thought it was, which is why they got the all ass all brushed up and burnt. Because... There are so many things that if the if the, if the if the if the loony left actually listen to what it means in these songs, that not only do you have to expect that these people will leave you alone to express your views, you need to shut your hole when they're expressing their views and compete in the world of ideas, and not use force to make anybody comply with what you want. I'm actually surprised this song didn't outrage the left far more than the right. Well. I guess there's a reason for this. You see, this song wasn't written today. I think if it was written today, it would upset the left as much, if not more, than the right. This song was written all the way back for you old fogies in 1992, when people still had some semblance of common sense. With that, it's been Jack Spierko, today along with Steve Harris, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.
anyone we choose when this world's big enough for all different views then we all can worship from our own kind of view that we share 